0: Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series, the number one podcast for brain injury and concussion resources. I am Amy Zelmer, founder of Faces of TBI.com and your host. Today I will be chatting with Christina Kotlis about what TBI and non-traumatic brain injury survivors have in common. This episode is brought to you by Integrated Brain Centers. Located in Denver, Colorado, Drs. Shane Stedman and Perry Maynard are experts in functional neurology and treat complex concussion cases from around the country. With over 20 years of combined experience, they're leaders in helping patients who are suffering from post-concussion symptoms, including dizziness, vertigo, headaches, dysautonomia, and more. For your free consultation, you can visit them online at integratedbraincenters.com. Hello, I'm Amy Zelmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not be familiar with who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I'm a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Goodman Project, and I am author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, available on Amazon. Additionally, I'm editor-in-chief of the Brain Health Magazine, and you can grab your free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. You can learn more about me and the podcast at FacesofTBI.com, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zelmer. Also, I invite you to join my private Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Christina Kotlis, and she is the author of I Quit, Facing Cancer with Faith, Family, and Friends and the host of Y'all Should Be Friends podcast series. Christina is a two-time cancer survivor, first diagnosed with brain cancer at age 28 and relapsed four years later when it had metastasized to her spine. She has a degree in comparative religion from George Mason University by way of Holy Cross College. Her writing has been published in numerous magazines and newspapers, as well as her own website. Christina was recognized as Blogger of the Year in Northern Virginia, 40 Under 40 in Northern Virginia, and an influential woman in Prince William County, Virginia. She currently resides in Manassas, Virginia with her husband and three children. Welcome to the podcast, Christina. So happy to have you here today. Thanks so much for having me. So, Christina, you know, we got a little teaser in your bio of how you acquired your brain injury, Um, but I would love to have you, you know, give us more of the full picture. Um, So, you were diagnosed with brain cancer at age 28, and Mm -hmm. what did that mean to you at the time? And also, you know, was it ever really discussed that this would cause a brain injury?
1: So, I think it's just a little bit of a difference we knew that obviously when they crack your skull open things can go a little haywire Um, Mm -hmm. but when we started out and they identified my tumor in the back portion of my brain so I had a posterior fossa ependymoma which was about the size of a citrus fruit growing around my brain stem and what we were initially told was to expect a four to six hour surgery and what we did was lie to everybody and tell them six to eight hours so they wouldn't bother my husband while he was waiting. Um, Smart. It ended up being, <laughs> yeah, it ended up being a 16-hour brain surgery. Wow. And that's quite the marathon. Yes. And what they told my husband starting at 12 hours was after 12 hours of the brain being exposed to the air, we really don't know what to expect. So we could be looking at deficits um neurologically we could be looking at deficits physically um we just don't know because 16 hours is not sorry i have my window open and that was loud um (laughs) 16 hours is not the amount of time your brain is supposed to be exposed to the air and so the trauma for me uh really came from the amount of time that my brain was open it was a very scheduled type of trauma but it was still traumatic for my brain to be exposed that long. And then to have you know, portions of my spine taken apart and the tumor removed and uh-huh. all of that. And then we followed that up with some radiation, which is also traumatic to your brain. Um, uh-huh. And so by the time I was done with everything, my doctors told me to expect about 18 months of recovery. And the word normal was never really used. Um, it was just 18 months of recovery, and when you get to 18 months, that's basically what you'll have. I was very fortunate in that um, a lot of the major things they thought I might experience, like needing to go to a rehab facility, not being able to walk, I was able to overcome those. Um, but it was definitely still a process and a journey. I still have a left side neuropathy. So the left side of me always feels like I have pins and needles and I've gotten better about it. When I first got out of my surgery, if people touched me, I wanted to scream,
0: but I can wear my
1: wedding ring again, which is nice. Um, And, you know, if people grab my hand or something, I've learned to control that reaction. But I think the hardest part of the brain injury for me was that neuropathy, the, the nerve damage that I experienced that people can't see. And so much of brain injury, I think, can be invisible, and that makes it even harder because people don't realize, like, the exhaustion and the nerve damage and the brain fog and forgetting words and how just devastating that is. I remember standing in front of my refrigerator one day, and I couldn't remember the word refrigerator. And for someone that mm-hmm. works with yeah. words and writing, it was just devastating. I, and I'm crying over the word refrigerator but people can't see that, and that makes it hard. You know, If you have an injury to an arm or a leg, people can see, they see your calf, they see your crutches, they can identify that you're hurt. But with injuries to your brain, it can be a lot harder for them to see, a lot harder for them to sympathize with, and it can continue on for a long time, and it can be hard for them to have patience with something that's maybe never gonna get better or going to get better very, very slowly.
0: Mm-hmm. So going into your surgery, did they prepare mm-hmm. you that there could be a brain injury, um, you know, aside from the 12-hour mark when they talked to your husband? Was there a discussion before beforehand?
1: You know, I think with me, the difference was my options were, I joke, um, Eddie Izzard has this skit that he does that's cake or death. Um, And with me, that was very much the situation. So I had to get this surgery or die. Um, There was no other option. I could get the surgery and take the outcome that I got or I could choose to live with this tumor that was blocking my spinal fluid and die a slow and painful death. So um, I, I know they went over with us, you know, this is the part of the brain we're dealing with, there's something called posterior fossa syndrome where your body can just decide to shut off due to the trauma that's been inflicted to that part of your brain. And you go into a vegetative state for a couple of weeks. Um, usually people wake up from it again. If someone catches it and is able to put them on a ventilator and keep them going for the two to three weeks, their brain needs. That was something that was discussed with us as an option. Um, or not really an option, but a possible side effect or outcome. Outcome. That happen. Yeah. Um, we were definitely versed on the fact that I could lose the ability to walk, I could use the ability to use my hands, I could definitely have nerve damage, spine damage, so there was a whole list of things that were given to us, and again, the difference between what I faced and what people who have a kind of random traumatic brain injury face is I knew what I was looking at going into it um, and just had to decide that the the cost benefit analysis made it worse <laughs> so if i could if I could live, I would take those side effects if that was what I had to do, and it definitely the the radiation i think made it even worse the coming out of surgery and having to slowly be able to walk and sit up and eat eating was really a struggle for me um, and I remember just loving thickened cranberry juice. It was my favorite thing on earth, and it was one of the only things I could get down without choking on it. Um, but going through all of those things was hard, but then having the repeat trauma of the radiation to uh, my brain and my brain stem was even harder because um, the level of exhaustion that I already had from my brain being cracked and kind of rooted around in was already so great and then with that trauma part of my body that was already pretty traumatized was so hard to deal with and so the exhaustion was really great the brain fog was tremendous i remember um you know phone calls from people that were trying to be encouraging and i would just want to cry because trying to develop conversations was so hard to do oh
0: yeah yeah um
1: and i think too You can feel a little bit like almost like I identified with very small babies because my kids, when they were infants, if they were overstimulated, they would just go to sleep. They would just fall asleep. And I never understood how babies could do that until after my brain surgery. (laughs) I remember going to pick my kids up. This was, I think, six weeks post-op. My mom had driven me to pick my kids up and I could walk a little bit in to get them, and she had arranged with the school that I would come in early before everyone else was let out so that I could pick them up, and this was going to be very exciting for them. But when I got in, there was so much noise, like all these little people making all these noises and everyone talking to me, and I just started crying and wanting to shut down because it's so overwhelming, and I don't think people who haven't had that experience can understand, but just... The amount of information that our brains are able to take in when they're functioning normally is incredible. And when you realize that because you can't do it anymore, it's I I have so much respect for our brains and for how we are designed. But it was definitely um it was definitely overwhelming and I definitely learned to appreciate how much stimulus we take in every day during the course of normal events. And so that was something mm-hmm. that was really an adjustment. And I've gotten better over time, but it was definitely very hard at first.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just want to pause for a moment and, you know, the fact, like just back up a second here of how you went into the surgery knowing it was death or possible brain injury. And so you went into it with an attitude of, you know, I'll take whatever I get as long as I'm alive and healthy. Um yeah. Where many TBI survivors, they, you know, wake up or they might not even lose consciousness. But, you know, all of a sudden they're thrust into this new life. And they don't yeah. have that time to process it ahead of time. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But... At some point, you know, you have you have to go through those stages of grief because you're grieving the old self. Um, but at yep. some point you do like, you know, for me, it was like, holy crap, my accident literally could have killed me like I could be dead and yep. I'm not. So I'm here. And what can I do with what I have now? Um You know, and that can be really, really hard. You know, when you've lost your identity, you've lost, you know, a lot of people lose their career. Um, They're no longer able to be, you know, a teacher or a lawyer or an accountant. Um, You know, you have this whole loss of identity. And, you know, I'm sure you went through a lot of that yourself. But you, so to speak, you are a little bit more prepared to go into it than, Those of us that just all of a sudden in the blink of an eye have this happen, Um, you know, but then on the flip side, there's a lot of other brain cancer, brain tumor survivors who are never told, hey, this can cause a brain. The surgery itself can cause a brain injury. Um, You know, like you said, the brain doesn't like air. Nor does the brain like being poked and prodded, right? Oftentimes, they have to like cut through a layer to get to the tumor. Um, Mm -hmm. And it just blows my mind that they're not even um, told that this could be an outcome. And they're just left to struggle with, gosh, why can't I remember words? Why can't I? You know, um, yeah. It, it's just so fascinating to me that doctors still um, in, in 2020 we're still not educating patients on what to expect so I'm glad yeah, that you had some that, expectations
1: yeah I, I think that that's so true because I work with a group called Immerman Angels and what they do is give they call them mentees I get cancer mentees and so these are people who are newly diagnosed and need someone to talk to and I just had one of them call me and be like, Christina, I'm so tired. Like, I can't get out of bed in the morning. I can't think of words. I can't, like, I can't function. Like, I'm dying. Something, like, my brain is melting. And I'm telling her, no, this isn't normal. Like, this is what they just did to your brain with the radiation. And this is what your brain is experiencing. And it's swollen and hurt. And this is normal. And there's so much power in that, which is why I love what you're doing with this podcast because there's so much power in hearing that what you're experiencing is normal for what you've gone through. And it can be so scary if you don't have someone to tell you that
0: for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, the, the whole TBI versus acquired brain injury and, um, you know, that, that comes up often in my Facebook group. They're like, I don't know if I belong here. I, I don't have, I have an acquired brain injury, not a TBI. And I'm like, it's all brain injury. We're all in the same family. Um, and in, you know, it, it kind of depends on who you ask. So some people with an acquired brain injury will still call it a TBI because it was still traumatic to them. Right. Um, The definition of a TBI is, you know, it was a jolt or blow to your head or body. Um, But just the word traumatic resonates with a lot of people, Um, you know, and and acquired brain injury is more of the umbrella term that encompasses any form of brain injury. Um, But, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess for good or bad, I use TBI interchangeably. But, um, you know, it is it's so interesting and how you know so many things are broken after a brain injury and like i said these people come in and they're like i'm not sure if i belong here and you know they're instantly reassured that that no this is the right place for you but um you know there's so many acquired you know stroke aneurysm cancer tumor mm-hmm. um like you talked about radiation itself chemo mm-hmm. chemotherapy itself too you know they call it yeah. a chemical concussion um carbon monoxide poisoning is another one um uh oh what's the word um Aphyxia, um like and strangulation mm-hmm. um those yep. those types of injuries as well you know um there's just there's just so many ways that we can end up in this community and um you know it's important that we all understand we're in this together even though we have different you know you might have trauma PTSD in a totally different way than I do right like I'm terrified mm-hmm. to walk on ice because I fell on ice. And you know, you might, you know, have your own PTSD from whatever happened before your surgery. Um, but we're yep. all we're all in a shared experience, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, do you have any thoughts on that as well?
1: Yeah. So one of the things that I like to tell people is that when I share my story, I'm not sharing it because I'm trying to win the Suffering Olympics. Nobody wants the gold medal in the <laughs> yes. Suffering Olympics. So when I share my story, I'm sharing it to let other people know that no matter what they're facing, you know, if I can face brain cancer and 16 hours of brain surgery and radiation twice and a year of chemotherapy and I can find joy and I can find meaning and I can find purpose, then no matter what they're facing, they can too. And I think it's the same thing with whether, you know, was it better that I got to know what I was facing or better that you just kind of got handed this and had to deal with it afterwards? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Probably neither one. Like, if you get to pick, pick neither. But in terms of, you know, worse or better or whatever, I think we're all looking for camaraderie and compassion. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that there's a competition for who suffers the most. Um, or yeah. i more legitimate like I've never been in a cancer support group and had people be like oh well you know she just got breast cancer so it's not as bad as brain cancer like uh-huh. that's uh-huh. not a thing <laughs> um, yep. so I think just you know having compassion for each other and realizing that we're here to be compassionate for each other and we're not competing for like who has it the worst or whatever I think is really important to remember and there can be a lot of um, survivor's guilt. like for me I didn't have the worst kind of brain cancer you can have. And so a lot of times I feel really guilty talking about my brain cancer because I didn't have a glioblastoma.
0: Yeah. Um, yep.
1: But I still, you know, had 16 hours of brain surgery. I still went through radiation and chemo and my cancer could come back any anytime. And so I'm not less legitimate. And I think it's true too with brain injuries probably where, you know, like, oh, well, I it wasn't that bad of a concussion well it was still a concussion and your brain still suffering yep. you you are still legitimate and your suffering is legitimate and so that's kind of a winding path of, of thoughts on that but I think all of those things are true that that your story and your experiences are legitimate and that you don't have to compare them to anyone else's it's just important to know that others are experiencing what you've experienced and that you know it's normal to have these feelings. It's normal to be frustrated. It's normal to feel tired. It's normal to struggle. Um, but, you know, we don't have to be competing with each other or worried about if we're legitimate enough. Um, I don't think anyone's here for for trying to win the most pathetic brain injury award because um, I know I'm not.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and it's interesting, I went through some layers of that myself with the whole guilt, like, gosh, you know, I I wasn't in the hospital, you know, I didn't have, uh, you know, part of my skull removed, I wasn't in a coma, like, who am I to talk about brain injury? And then, you know, I, I dealt with those, you know, those feelings hurt. I'd say at least a year, if not more. And to be fair, I probably still struggle with them once in a while. Um, But then it was, then, you know, someone said to me, but you can talk about it. Not everyone who's been through a brain injury can get up in front of a room of people and talk articulately and succinctly. And not everyone can do a podcast. Not everyone can write a book. Um, So, you know, that took me a while to embrace that and be like, okay, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it because I can do it. And if I help just one person while doing it, then heck yeah, I'm going to do it.
1: Yeah. I think there's so much power and truth in that because there is, you know, part of what I like to do is instead of asking why me in a negative way, like why did this have to happen to me? Or why did I have to go through this? Why did I get brain cancer? I like to Mm -hmm. make that question more positive positive and ask, you know, like, why me that I still get to be here? Why me that I still get to be able to speak? Why me that we had, you know, the health insurance that we had so that I could get all the treatment that I needed and kind of put a positive spin on that question? And I think you answered that so succinctly and so well. Like, you know, you were able to give a voice to people that might not be able to speak themselves and and create community. And so when you can find purpose, even in the darker things in your life, there's so much power yeah. there. And I think that that's really important too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I always, you know, I get a lot of questions and you probably do as well about, you know, writing a book and how did you write a book? How did you do it? And, you know, for me, it was, it wasn't really my intention. I just started writing and I was published on HuffPost and, um, you know, I just continued publishing on HuffPost. And eventually I had enough pieces to make a book. And, you know, I had a great group of people around me that helped me do that um, because I had zero clue (laughs) how to actually make a book. Um, Uh But I encourage everyone, you know, like I have no idea how to even start it. And I'm like, just start it just start writing and it doesn't even have to make any sense at first. Like you can figure it all out later, but just start somewhere, you know, and same with people who want to do speaking, just start somewhere. Right. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be perfect and pretty. And it's just getting your story out there and it will help somebody else. Somebody will hear it and they will resonate with it. Or, a fr- you know, they might have a friend or a loved one who's had a brain injury and will be able to get, um, you know, a better understanding because of your story. So don't ever hold back on telling your story. Mm-hmm.
1: I think that's very true. And I joke with people a lot. One of my favorite musicals is Newsies. And there's the line in one of the songs, we're a union just by saying so. And I like to tell people that they don't need permission. If you want to be an author and you start writing, you're an author just because you started writing and you say so. Mm -hmm. Um, If you are an advocate for, you know, cancer, brain injury, domestic violence, whatever, you are an advocate because you're getting out there and you said you are. So there's so much power in your story. And that's power you don't need anyone else to give you. You already have that power within you. And so definitely harnessing that and taking advantage of it and helping other people is, is not only something that you have the power and capacity to do, but something that can be tremendously
0: healing as well. Yeah, I love that. Um Well, Christina, we are just about out of time and I want to wrap up by asking you, you know, what your final words of wisdom are for our listeners, you know, your parting thoughts that you would like to leave everyone with.
1: Sure. Well, I think the biggest thing for me, especially with everything we're dealing with right now as a country with the pandemic through the world and for people that are maybe dealing with their own personal issues as they're dealing with, you know, brain injury or a loved one's brain injury. Just um, choosing joy is so important. It's, It's what I talk about in my book. And just the ability that each of us have to look at our situation and say, yes, I could choose anger every day or I could choose frustration every day or I could choose sorrow every day, but instead I'm gonna acknowledge that there is some bad stuff happening but then I'm going to wash my face and get up and I'm going to look Mm -hmm. for the good things. I'm going to look for the positive. And I just want to encourage everyone to find that it might be hard at first. It takes practice, kind of like sit ups. um, to train those muscles, but just keep looking for the joy and keep pushing forward and fighting for the the happiness and the hope in your life.
0: I love it. And Christina, if anyone wants to connect with you, your, excuse me, your website is com, and I do Mm -hmm. have that in the show notes. So anyone interested can click through and they can also find your book on your website. And can they also find it on Amazon? Amazon,
1: Barnes and Noble, wherever you feel like looking for books.
0: Perfect. Well, Christina, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story and sharing so much inspiration with our listeners today. I really appreciate you taking the time to be here.
1: Thanks so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it.
0: And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. And just another big thank you to our episode sponsor, Integrated Brain Centers. Grab your free consultation online at integratedbraincenters.com. And again, you can find previous podcast episodes on most streaming platforms, such as iTunes, or you can go directly to facesoftbi.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And remember to join Amy's TBI Tribe on Facebook. Thank you all for listening, and thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone, and I'll see you in the next episode.